when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Harris, they don't talk. Is that something you just ignore? Yeah. Yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired, and the next week you're going to take another job. And I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question, our purpose is to win. Make no mistake about it. But it's to win the right way. And our goal, our stated goal, is going to be to win the Sun Belt. Uh, sorry, to win the SEC East. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. We got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. Talk about the reception you received from the fan, fan base. Did you ever think you'd be kissing and hugging babies at the tarmac when you got the point? Um, a lot better than another tarmac experience that I had. <laughs> I didn't think of it. It was like, like an anniversary or something like that. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined this episode by Cousin Joe out in Hawaii. What you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Aloha, brah. <laughs> Not much, man. Just hanging out. Bored. Quarantine. Absolutely. So, you know, I think we're all under the same deal here, and you know, it was weird because last weekend was Easter, and I couldn't even tell it was a dang holiday because you can't leave your house, you can't go anywhere to visit with anybody, but you're just it's just the same old, same old. It doesn't matter if it's a dang holiday. I didn't know it was Easter. My mom was like, happy Easter. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I was like, I better get to the store and get them cream eggs. <laughs> this is the only time of the year they come out. I'm like, oh, I got to stock up. Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess this is just life now. But, uh, hey, we're making the most of it. We didn't have a ton of SEC content, you know, not a ton going on. So we're still trying to get creative with uh, ways to bring you guys a show. And, you know, I'm happy to say we have some exclusive content here. This is how we're going to start the show. Paul Feinbaum. I can't believe no one's talking about this yet. This is Paul Feinbaum, Gus Malzahn. They got hammered at the bar. And they're talking about why in the hell... Did Auburn hire Chad Morris to be the offensive coordinator? Let's kick it over to uh, Paul Feinbaum and Gus Malzahn. I wanted to ask you about Chad Morris. Uh, not, not only is that someone you've known a long time and been close friends with, but but now he's uh, he's he's with you and. Uh, I'm sure you have a lot of time to communicate, maybe not quite like it would have been, but uh, describe what that relationship's been like and and, and what uh, impact he's had, uh, at least in, in, initially on Bo Nix. Yeah, i tell you what. Paul, it's been really something. I mean, you know, our relationship goes back, you know, 20 years when we are both high school coaches and we had the same philosophy, the same way of looking at offensive football. And we've talked 
for a long time about, man, I hope we get a chance to coach with each other. We've had those conversations uh, for a long time. So when this opportunity came about and uh, you know, he was done with Arkansas and then our our coordinator job opened up. I mean, it was a common sense thing for me. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't trust very many people in the world to run our offense, but he would be at the top of that list. And so we're very blessed to have him. We really think that he's going to do not just a super job this year, but we think he's going to be with us a long time. And like I said, next to work with, um, you know, our offense is in very good hands with Chad Morse. All right, so. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, if you couldn't tell there, we added in the beer effect. That was not. They were not really drunk, but here's what happened. I, Gus Malzahn really was on the Paul Feinbaum show just the other day. I was listening to it on, uh, you know, on my phone via the podcast. I accidentally changed the speed of the recording to half speed, and I was just dying laughing listening to these two. It sounded like they were hammered-ass drunk talking about Chad Morris. That was the, the only way I could figure you could hire Chad Morris is you'd have to be hammered, so we threw that in there. Please don't sue us, Paul or Gus Malzahn. That was uh, that is real audio. It's just slowed down. They weren't really drunk, so I'm not trying to fool anyone there. But I just thought that was just too damn too damn funny not to share. How do you know they weren't really drunk? I bet they were. I don't know. Like my own thoughts on that is, I, I think Shane's pretty awesome, you know. But I don't want him to work with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's not just my brother. We're pretty good friends too. But it's like, uh, no. Nah. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad. So, yeah, so I just thought that was fantastic. But uh, here's the kind of the show topic I had. Kind of, um, you know, we this is something Cousin Shane actually came up with, so we got to give him credit. But we were talking about the Heisman bets from the last episode. What would you win if you threw your stem, stimulus check, $1,200, $1,200, to win the Heisman Trophy from all 14 teams. So we're going to run down this list, $1,200 on these Heisman odds. And let's start here with Alabama. You know, there are several players that have odds to win the Heisman Trophy. But I think if you're realistic about this, it's got to be Najee Harris, the best odds on Alabama's team to win the Heisman, in my opinion, at 50-1. to Offense is going to run a little bit more through him than it does Mac Jones or any of these receivers. So I'm throwing it at Najee Harris, 50 to one, put that stimulus check on him. That's going to earn you a cool 60,000. What do you think? What do you think about that one? I completely agree with you, Michael. <laughs> I'm just Holy giving me crap the other day. All I do is agree with you. Uh, no, but this is who I've been like all for is Najee Harris, but it's either if he stays healthy. Yeah. But if Trey Sanders comes in, and he's the hot hand, and he gets all the carries. You can also see going that way, too. Yeah, Trey Trey Sanders, just a wild card here where we just don't know what we got with him. So, I mean, if he takes away a lot of carries from Najee Harris, obviously neither one of them is probably going to win it. But, hell, what if Trey Sanders is this breakout star? Maybe he is the guy that gets it done. 
Yeah, exactly. All right, skipping down to Arkansas next, I think the only realistic option, they had a couple quarterbacks on the list, but Rakeem Boyd, the best player on Arkansas's offense, in my opinion, 200 to 1. You throw that stimulus check on him, we're talking $240,000 you're going to come away with. Arkansas fans, you're feeling pretty good about Rakeem Boyd? Throw that stimulus check at him. You're going to become, uh, you're going to be a quarter away to being a damn millionaire. That's right. That's a whole double wide and a new Humvee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, jumping down to Auburn, Bo Nix. I think obviously you got to go with the quarterback here for the Tigers at 101. So obviously that's going to get you $120,000 if you throw your stimulus check at that. Not saying, again, Bo Nix is going to win the Heisman or anything, but and we've seen it many times across college football where these quarterbacks in their second year, you know, guys like Johnny Manziel, Marcus Mariota, they get the benefit of redshirting, which Bo Nix didn't get that, but still it was their breakout campaign, was their second year. Maybe that happens for Auburn and Bo Nix. I think that's the only way that uh, we see Bo Nix winning the Heisman here, but, hey, that's, uh, that's not – that's not too bad of odds right there, 100 to 1. No, they should be more with Chad Morris. You know, he's so – I mean, he wasn't a wasn't a bad offensive coordinator. He's just a big question mark in my book. See what he does at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of not being a question mark, here, let's jump on down to Gainesville where Kyle Trask, 50 to 1. So, again, we're getting down to the lower odds here. If you put your stimulus check on him to win it, you're going to get you – $60,000. And this is probably actually my favorite bet. Again, I'm not telling you to run out. If you got some bills to pay, pay your damn bills, people. But if there is one of these that I was going to bet on, it's probably going to be Kyle Trask at 50 to 1. And hell, I don't, I don't know about you, but I could use $60,000 right now. And I think Kyle Trask is going to get it to me. Yeah, absolutely. I like Kyle Trask too. I think he's going to be amazing. Now, the one guy, I think you've already taken issue with this one, Georgia. Let's jump on down to the Bulldogs. I think the only realistic option there, Jamie Newman, 20 to 1. If you put that stimulus check on him, you're going to net $24,000. I've been saying it all offseason. I don't think Jamie Newman is going to be a Heisman contender, but of all the options there for the Bulldogs, I think that's the one that's the most realistic. You ever play in stock market? Like, you can buy puts and calls. Mm -hmm. I wish there was something like that here where you could be like, this one is not going to win the Heisman. (laughs) That's where I would put my money. And it's not because I think he's a bad player. I think he is. But name two quarterbacks that have come in, transfer, and in one year, lit it up. Uh, The only one that really comes to mind in the first year would be last year, Justin Fields. Ironically, the former Georgia player went to Ohio State, killed it up there, but you're talking SEC history with the defense is a lot tougher. It's just I can't think of one that's done it. Cam Newton wasn't. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good one. Cam Newton, that's a good one. But that yeah, he's the only one I can think of that ever did it in the SEC. It was just like showed up and lights out. I mean, he was heavily recruited, like high ranking. So is so is Newman. But I mean, I, I'm hopeful. Like maybe he does come in because Georgia's talented. Like. Top to bottom, like everybody on their team's amazing. It's just, it's real hard nowadays to just plug and play, like coming from another league and jumping in and being like, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, and I think the biggest roadblock for Jamie Newman, now I think, I've said it many times, I think Georgia is going to beat Alabama week three of the season. But if he doesn't have a good game, his third game ever as a Bulldog, I don't think they're going to give him the Heisman Trophy. You know what I mean? Like you can't. 
you can't lay an egg against Alabama and then rebound and win the Heisman Trophy. It just I think that would take away all the potential votes he's got. So, I mean, he's going to have to impress immediately out the gates, basically, third week of the season. Otherwise, I think uh, you're just going to wind up losing any money you bet on him. Right, absolutely. But if they come out and beat Alabama, then it's like a whole different story. Mm-hmm. All right, let's kick it down to Kentucky, where this, is going, this may surprise some Wildcat fans because Terry Wilson, he's got good odds, 301 odds to win the Heisman, but I'm not going with him. I'm going with Joey Gatewood, 301. That'll net you a cool 360. I just really think that uh, Joey Gatewood, he's going to have a lot to prove this year. He just seems like a perfect fit for that Kentucky offense, a run-first guy that can also push the ball down the field. This could be the missing piece of the puzzle for Kentucky you know, they Bowden was spectacular, but he wasn't much of a passer. Now you get that aspect with Joey Gatewood. I think if you're talking a realistic option to win the Heisman Trophy on Kentucky, it's got to be Joey Gatewood. Yeah, I agree with you, and it's only because he's just a better passer. Mm-hmm. You know, Terry Wilson's great on his feet. Uh, he was able to complete some passes, but a lot of them were just slightly better than Bowden. Yeah, and Terry Wilson also has, obviously, the injury history. So we hope, we praise, you know, makes it through the whole season. But I just don't bet on it when I've seen a guy get hurt a couple times, you know? Right. Now, LSU, here's a real wild card. This is a guy that I really think could win the Heisman. So I was very surprised to see his odds here at 100-1. to Derek Stingley Jr., 100-1. to So you bet that stimulus check, you're going to bring out $120,000. And the reason I think I'm so high on him is just his versatility. I mean, he's going to be returning kicks. Sounds like he's going to be playing receiver. And if he's making plays all over on the defensive backfield, I mean, this is going to be Charles Woodson-esque type year for Derek Stingley. And if LSU bounces back and they're still an SEC contender and you got this sophomore doing damn near everything on the football team besides throwing the football, <laughs> hell, he may he may throw the ball next year. I think uh, Derek Stingley, may that may be a realistic option to win the Heisman. Yeah, Stingley's going to be a fun to play, fun player to watch for sure. But I think he's up there with Bo Nix. I think it's just a year too early. Mm-hmm. I think if he's going to win the Heisman, it's going to be next year. All right, the only candidate here for Missouri, so we got to go with this guy, Larry Roundtree, the running back's outstanding running back, three hundred to one. So that's three hundred sixty thousand dollars if you bet your stimulus check. You know, I don't think Larry Roundtree is a realistic candidate to win the Heisman or anything, particularly with, uh, you know, the new coach, Eli Drinkowitz. I think he likes to throw the ball around. But, hell, maybe it'll open things up for Larry Roundtree to make some noise on the ground with their defenses having to respect the pass so much. So, I mean, he could have a great year. I just don't think, you know, Heisman, that's a little unrealistic. Yeah, I don't think so either. To win Heisman, you got to be on a really good football team. I don't think Missouri's going to do super awesome next year. Or this next candidate, how about this? This is one of my, you know, I keep, I keep pounding the drum for this kid, so I feel like he's going to be a complete flop just to, just to make me look like an asshole here. But Ole Miss has jumped on down to Oxford. John Rice Plumley, 201 to win it. It's $240,000 if you bet your stimulus check on him to win the Heisman. Man, I just think that, uh, you know, not to say that you do make a good point, you know, Typically, these Heisman finalists are, you know, teams are in the college football playoff, teams that are winning their conference titles, what have you. But you also occasionally get that Johnny Manziel type year where, you know, a kid comes out of nowhere and his team, you know, Texas A&M didn't win the SEC that year, but they won, I think it was 10 games and 
No one was expecting that from them. They beat the number one team in the nation. If John Rice Plumley comes in and does that, not to say Ole Miss is going to you know, win the West or anything, but if they surprise a couple teams, if they beat you know, a top five team, I think John Rice Plumley maybe puts himself in that conversation. Yeah, he's so electric. I mean, if he's just to improve just a smidge on the passing side of the house, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him blow up. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of blow up, I know you're high on this guy's sticking in the state of Mississippi. Let's jump on down to Starkville where KJ Costello, 101 to win it. It's $120,000 if you bet your stimulus check on him and he cashes in that Heisman. KJ Costello, again, I don't, not saying he's going to play that well to where he's going to be at the damn Heisman ceremony, but hell, this could be Mike Leach unleashing his offense on the SEC. This is going to be the first year where these defenses got basically no tape on what he can do, uh, you know, with an SEC talent base. Kylan Hill's an outstanding running back, so maybe he would have been a good option there too, but I just think given the history of Mike Leach, we know he's going to get everything he possibly can out of these quarterbacks. He just squeezes production out of them, you know, everywhere he's been. I think if he's able to do that with K.J. Costello, I think that's a realistic bet that uh, maybe he's in the Heisman discussion. Yeah, if I was to pick a dark horse, it'd be this one. It's just because no one really knows this ceiling of what Leach is going to bring out there. That, and I'm fairly certain he's going to break all the score records for passing yards. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hop down to South Carolina next, where I've got Ryan Halinski penciled in as the guy there at 301. So that's uh, $360,000 if you cash in your stimulus check on Halinski. And the main reason I got Halinski. I know Marshawn Lloyd, everyone's hyped about this kid, but uh, you know Mike Bobo's system is one that uh, really gets the most out of the quarterback. And I know a lot of South Carolina fans down on Helinski after last year, but he was banged up all year, forced into action a little early. Now he's going to have a little bit more time to get acclimated to you know being the leader of a guy in the SEC. He's going to be going into the season knowing he's the guy. And now he's in a quarterback-friendly system. I'm still on the Heislinski hype train. I, I gave him that name, so I've got a. There's no way in hell I was going to pick anyone other than Heislinski here. Those are big odds for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think Heislinski's going to come out and he's going to be better than last year uh, toward the end of the season for what you just mentioned. He was injured, but yeah, he's not going to. He's not even going to be in the discussion because I don't think there's enough around him. All right, how about this? Jump on down to Tennessee. Not going Trey Smith. <laughs> this is my best bet. I'm just kidding. It's not. <laughs> Eric Gray, 501 to win the Heisman Trophy. We saw flashes from this kid last year. That would get you $600,000 if you bet on Eric Gray, and he wins it. Big reason, like I said, he took over late in the season. I mean, that Vanderbilt win was basically on his shoulders. Uh, he was incredible. In the bowl game, you were down there for that game. Eric Gray, MVP of that bowl game, did so many things for the Vols in that one. And, of course, you know, what is it we've been hyping up all offseason with Tennessee? It's that offensive line. So that's the running back's best friend. I just really think that if there's one breakout candidate, I know everyone's looking at the quarterbacks at Tennessee. They want Harrison Bailey to start. They want Jarrett Garantano to finally put it together. But to me – that offense should be ran through Eric Gray because 
You just don't know what you got in Garantano. And Harrison Bailey's so inexperienced. You lean on that offensive line. You lean on Eric Gray. I think he's potential. You know, I don't think everyone recognizes he's a good player, but I don't think many people are saying all SEC at this point. I think he could potentially raise his game to that level this year. Yeah, I think so too, and I'm excited. Uh, speaking of that bowl game, you just got me lost in thought for like 10 minutes. What a bowl game that was. <laughs> it was like, we were struggling at first. I was like, oh, it's all right. It's all right. And then they went up. And then Indiana's like, oh, you, oh, you. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it just started rolling. And it was like, oh, my goodness. And that onside kick was right in front of me. And that place blew up with goosebumps all over. But, yeah, Eric Gray, who. I agree with the fact that the offensive line is maybe the best offensive line in the SEC. So, yeah, uh, he doesn't really have anyone to compete with, you know. Like Chandler, I don't know what happened to him last year. Like he just really didn't uh, shine much. And, yeah, so I think he's going to get the heavy load. And you got JG who's always, you know, he's a big question mark. If Bailey comes out and he starts slinging it, maybe that – Maybe just enough quarterback play to give them open looks on the running game. Then, yeah, I could see that. But every year I talk myself into 15-0 season. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, there's no chance. But I like the idea that he is going to be at least better in SEC uh, player like that talent, you know, like All-American style. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's jump on down next to Texas A&M where we got lower odds here, but I still think this is one of the more realistic bets on the board, and that's Kellen Mond at 50-1. to 1. You cash that stimulus check on him, you're going you're gonna to earn you $60,000 if he wins the Heisman Trophy. And, you know, a big part of that is just I'm banking on Jimbo Fisher. I mean, he's always had an outstanding track record with these quarterbacks. Kellen Mond, I can't remember the last time Jimbo Fisher was had a starting quarterback for three years in a row. So, you know, maybe he finally takes that next step in his game and he just dominates the SEC next season. And, hell, we've already talked about it. A lot of times these Heisman Awards, they just give it to, you know, the best quarterback on the best team. And Texas A&M, like I, I keep saying it, they could be 10-0 and heading into their last two games. So he's going to be in the thick of that race if Texas A&M's undefeated late November – um, I'm, I'm no, I don't think it's too real unrealistic to say Kellen Mond could be a Heisman finalist. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> I think Kellen Mond has ceiling. You know, I think, uh, I mean, he's good. He's going to come in, but I don't, there wasn't much improvement last year. I'm hopeful that there is, but if there isn't, I think he's going to be replaced by the freshmen that's coming in. There's a lot of hype on him. Mm-hmm. All right, last team to get to here, Vanderbilt. When this kid has not even arrived on campus, was still in high school, he may still be in high school, but I've heard, I've heard solid things on him, and the reason I really like him is odds three thousand to one. <laughs> so, <laughs> you you put that stimulus check on Michael Wright, Atlanta area quarterback. That's going to earn you three point six million dollars. <laughs> I don't know if you can get a casino to take those odds, but hell, they may. I mean, they've put them out here, so put you that stimulus check if you're a big Michael Wright fan, if you're a big Vanderbilt fan. And uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Michael Wright wants to be a millionaire. He's just cashing his uh, stimulus check on himself. <laughs> Michael, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you got to win an SEC. <laughs> <laughs> All 
<laughs> well, that's true. All right, so the other idea I had for this show, obviously we got a ton of time here, not much going on around the world with damn stuck here in quarantine, don't know what day it is. And hell, I was going through, um, you know, my old preseason magazines, big fan of the pick six previews and everything they do, big fan of the Athlon Sports college football preview, but the reason I wanted to talk about this, I was reading my old Lindy's, Lindy Sports preseason magazine from last year, and there's always a section in these preseason magazines that I really appreciate, and it's called either anonymous coaching comments, or in Lindy's, they call it opposing coaches' views, and these things, a lot of times in the, you know, once these magazines come out in the summer leading up to the season... Fans just mock these damn things, say, well, if you, you know, if you can't put your name to it, it's not worth anything. I, I want to give Lindy some credit here because I went back and read. Now, it's not all 14 didn't pan out right, but damn near half, you know, half the SEC. I'm going to read you these statements from team by team and just listen to how dead on they were. So this is Alabama. These are comments on the Crimson Tide defense heading into last season. From an opposing co- unnamed opposing coach, they've got holes on the defense. I can see them losing two to three games. They lost Mac Wilson. They're missing guys up front. Raekwon Davis didn't play that well last year, and you know Alabama fans were ripping the hell out of that last year. But that's almost play by play. You know what I mean? So I just really thought uh, that was interesting. What are you? What are your comments on that? I mean, it really was the defense. That, uh, hell, they, they gave up 46 to LSU. They gave up, what was it, 45 to Auburn. I mean, the defense was why Alabama uh, wasn't in the SEC championship game last year. Yeah, that and Tua got hurt. I mean, obvious. But, no, I really wish that it would have been – I wish you knew who co- which coach said that. It was probably Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? This was really good for Auburn, the opposing coach view here. I think the people are fed up with him. He's never been a consistent big-time program, and uh, they've not played well three out of the last four. If not for defensive coordinator Kevin Steele, they'd be a 500 program. They play really good on defense, but all Gus does is blame the play caller. Hell, just call the plays yourself. <laughs> oh, my God. And what was it that kept Auburn? You know, we just talking about Alabama, but Auburn – what was it that kept them from playing for the SEC championship? It wasn't that defense. It was Bo Nix, his inconsistencies, and Gus Malzahn's offense. He took the keys to the offense last season, and, hell, they still ended up losing, what was it, four games? They never should have lost that bowl game to Minnesota. That was that was atrocious. But, yeah. I mean, right here, this this I mean, this mean, this pretty much nails it. If not for the defense, Auburn, I don't even think Gus Malzahn would have a, his job down there. Yeah, no, me either. It was like the year before, it was all the offense's fault, and he's like, I'm going to take it over. And at the end of this year, it's all the offense's fault again. So, man, they played worse. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what Chad Morris does. Hopefully, better than Arkansas. All right, how about check out these comments on Dan Mullen? Mullen did a hell of a job with Felipe Franks. Franks was very average before Dan got there. One thing about Mullen, he will have good or better defenses than he had at Mississippi State. And he's not playing that West schedule, SEC West schedule. So if he can duplicate on offense what he did at Mississippi State, 
he'll challenge for the East every year. And I mean, I think that comment as well is basically dead on. Yeah, every year until he goes to Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> Which I hope soon because I, mean, I knew Dan, Dan was going to come in and he's going to be good. But I mean, it's 10 wins a year now. And it's like, whoa. I think this year he's going to be really creeping up and challenging Georgia. There's not going to be anybody in the East that's going to even challenge him. Mm-hmm. All right, so how about check out these comments on Mark Stoops, Kentucky coach. Uh, that guy does the best job coaching in the East. He's lost a load of talent. He's going to have his work cut out for him. They don't have a dynamic running back. They don't have a dynamic quarterback. And they don't have a great receiver. Now, he really missed the boat there with the receiver comment, obviously, with uh, Lim Bowden. But, I mean, the rest of that's pretty dead on. And, I mean, you want to talk about a coach that led his team to eight wins with a fucking receiver playing quarterback. I don't think there's another coach in the SEC that could have got that done other than Mark Stoops. And, I mean, once again, I mean, these are coach coaching comments here are, are basically dead on. Yeah, absolutely. Before he leaves there, they're going to build a statue of Stoops. I guarantee it. Yeah, I mean, I, and he'll he'll learn it, you know what? I know, absolutely. yeah, because right now he hasn't been recruiting at a super high level, and now he's starting to get some national news, and you see Kentucky trending up, like, quick. Mm-hmm. And the recruits are, the, the level of the players that they're recruiting coming in, they're getting higher, so they're only going to get better. Now, here's some good comments here on Ed Orgeron, and obviously we all, we're all high on Ed now, but heading into last season, you know, it's not like he was on a hot seat, but – there were still some questions about him. Check out this uh, opposing coach view. I thought Ed Orgeron did a nice job last year. He does a good job recruiting, and he's one of them Cajuns. LSU always does a good job evaluating talent, and Ed's done that. Now Tennessee should have hired him after Lane Kiffin left. They'd, they'd be in a lot better place than uh, had they hired when they hired Derek Dooley or Butch Jones. If Ed had stayed at Tennessee – Tennessee would probably be the best program in the SEC East right now. And hell, I don't think you can argue with that one. That hurts. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my God, Derek, what in the hell is Derek Dooley right now doing? He's not doing shit. You know what I mean? I mean, he can't keep a job. And here you got Ed Orgeron winning national championships. Go Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Coach O, but. Hey, when they played Alabama a couple years ago and he got goose egged, I was like, uh-oh. And what did he do? He came back the next year and dumped him into the ground. I was like, all right. He can learn, you know. He's always, like, changing his game plan. I like that. All right, how about these comments? These came on Joe Moorhead, former Mississippi State coach. For Joe Moorhead to be an offensive coach, they didn't get much offensive production. They didn't get very creative. They didn't show much. They had a special college player in quarterback Nick Fitzgerald. Joe hadn't played against SEC defenses. It's a lot different than Big Ten defenses with the speed and athletic ability. Just look at the NFL draft. And, hell, no one thought Joe Moorhead was going to get fired after the second year unless unless he had a bad season, unless he had players punching each other before games and whatnot. But that's how it played out, and – Hell, these comments, once again, I mean, that's why Joe Moore doesn't have a job right now. Yeah, they drug his Yankee ass out of there. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I like Coach Moorhead. I did. I thought it was a little bit early. But when it started to come down to the end there and you were seeing all the disciplinary actions, that was really the only option they had. Mm -hmm. So he spot on. All right, last one here, Vanderbilt. These are pretty damning, but it's uh, it's on the quarterback play. Their quarterback from – 
you know, keep in mind this is 2018. Kyle Shermer was one of the top three or four in the league last year, and I don't think they can replace him. Uh, Kalijah Lipscone is a great receiver, but they need a quarterback to get him the ball. Of course, we know now Vanderbilt never did replace Kyle Shermer. Kalijah Lipscone didn't get the ball near enough, and Vanderbilt was one of the worst teams in the nation. So, again, I, I just went down the list. Those were all straight from Lindy Sports. So the next time you get your Lindy's or your Athlon Sports Preview Magazine and you read those anonymous quotes and you think, well, the hell with that guy. He didn't put his name to it. It's not worth nothing. I mean, hell, these were pretty damn spot on. I just thought it was pretty remarkable how how close they were all were. Yeah, it reminds me of you talk about magazines not related to football at all. It's like Billy Madison. Billy <laughs> Madison. <laughs> 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 you're under the little press box and you're like, ah, you open it up. One of these nauseous coaches said. Oh, speaking of coaching comments, we've, we actually just got uh, some breaking news here. We actually got, just got this forwarded to us. This is Paul Feinbaum and Lane Kiffin. They got a little sauced up. And uh, I think this was about the state Lane Kiffin was in. When he crashed his car here in Knoxville, when he was back at Tennessee's coach, let's kick it over to uh, Paul Feinbaum and, and Lane Kiffin. They were, they were kind of sauced up here at the bar. Um, how 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 do you think it would work if if it started late, or would you or, or for the heaven forbid uh fans were not allowed uh, i mean do you have any thoughts on on those issues not a whole lot you know because we kind of worry about what we control and so obviously we have no control over that so um i don't have a whole whole lot of thoughts on that. Um, you know, I kind of listen to stuff on TV and, and people talk about, well, <clears throat> how much America needs sports. And so even if you didn't have fans, if there was a way to still play, which I don't even know how that's possible either we've made it through this and it's safe for people to be around or it's not, you know, and obviously we shouldn't do anything until it's completely safe. So, but, you know, people have said, you know, even if you could do that, at least it gives, you know, America things to watch and stuff. But I, I don't know how that's possible. If it's, if it's either going to be safe to be around people or it's not. So I don't know how all of a sudden you're going to say you can start playing playing football games with no fans and that's safe, but it's not safe for fans. So I, I think I think that's a waste of time. All right, so again... Those comments, <laughs> those comments were real. They were from the Paul Feinbaum show. We just slowed them down to half speed. Please don't sue us, Paul or Lane Kiffin. They were not liquored up during these. Uh... Man, I just thought that was hilarious. If you guys like these 
I think I'm going to make this into a damn feature every show. I mean, how could you not? I mean, I'm, I'm dying laughing. Listen to this. I think you should do one of Jim uh, and have him doing fast forward. I bet it sounds like someone on Helium. <laughs> Either that or do one of uh, Jeremy Pruitt and just put fast forward and he'll sound like a normal person. <laughs> All right, last thing I got here. You know, this, this really bo- bothered me a little bit here. And I wanted to get your idea on it. Speaking of Lane Kiffin, I went back and watched some John Rice Plumley game from uh, last weekend. I threw up some of the highlights, and a lot of people were kind of on board with me, given the fact that, uh, you know, he's working in a system that was offensively challenged. First four games, he didn't even play. And then he immediately gets thrown out on the field, and he's just a game-breaker. Almost brings him all the way back to beat Cal in the closing seconds. He didn't execute the two-minute drill as you know, best as he could, but hell, we're talking literally the second series he ever played in college football. But then you you start seeing flashes from this kid. I mean, he torched Alabama. He torched LSU. He Missouri actually had a really good defense last year. He scored four touchdowns on them, looked incredible. That was the, one of the games that I went back and watched, Ole Miss and Missouri. Yet there's still Ole Miss fans, for whatever reason, think this kid is going to get moved to receiver. And my reaction to that is and now I think a lot of Lane Kiffin I'm not saying he's a bad coach but if Lane Kiffin pushes John Rice Plummer to receiver I guarantee you this is not a hot take or anything Lane Kiffin will not be coaching at Ole Miss long because his ass is going to get fired because you don't take a dynamic game-changing playmaker like John Rice Plumley and take him away from the ball uh, if you're a school like Ole Miss and where they're at right now, I shouldn't just say that, you know, the entire program, but where they're at right now, you just can't, you got a special talent. You can't move them outside of the ball. What are your thoughts on that? He's the best player by far on their football team. And every coach in the world knows if you have the option of giving the ball to your best player every down, why wouldn't you do it? You know, that, I mean, that's what he's suited for. He's suited for a quarterback position. Why would you move him to wide receiver and take him from having control of the ball every down, give him that option of pass run, and just move him out there and be like, oh, he's going to get it six times this game. You know? Right. It doesn't make any sense at all. And when if you do that, you dictate, you know, defenses can dictate how often he gets the ball by how much they shade coverage to him and, and all kinds of things. Whereas if he's a quarterback, hell, they got to put up with him every damn snap. And that's what I mean because Ole Miss is just not going to have the talent or the depth just yet of some of these other SEC contenders. But how you close that gap immediately is by having a dynamic playmaker. I mean, we just like we saw with Johnny Manziel. I mean, that there was a reason why Texas A&M, I know he had talent around him, but so does Ole Miss. Ole Miss has got plenty of talent on the starting units and even a couple backups that are pretty solid. But if Ole Miss is going to surprise some people and upset her team or two, I mean, and, and this is nothing about Matt Corral, the other quarterback, because he's got a very good arm. But if you're an Ole Miss program right now that is, like I said, short on depth, talent and short on depth, you're just you're playing, playing it wrong if you're throwing out a traditional-type quarterback because he's not going to, unless he's damn Tom Brady or something, he's just not going to uh, get you to pull these massive upsets. 
Right. He's not going to bridge the gap. You know, the talent gap's too big. What you need is an X factor. That's what Plum, that's what he, that's what he is. He's just talented. And yeah, keep him there. That's the only shot they got in a lot of the games. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was just, I don't know. I was very, I'm very surprised to see any Ole Miss fans talk about that stuff. Cause my God, I'm sitting here talking, this guy could win the Heisman next year. And they're saying, well, he's going to have to do it at slot receiver. So <laughs> there's no way. And he can throw the ball too. I mean, you look at a lot of his passes last year, some of them were perfect dimes. It was like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't get that. So maybe if you're an Ole Miss fan out there and you think I'm a dumbass, let me know because I'm, Maybe you're seeing something I'm not, but I'm super high on John Rice Plumby. I think he's probably my favorite player in the SEC coming into next season. And, you know, it's because of the plays he made last year on the field. It's not based on anything else. All right, so that's going to do it for this show. You got anything uh, before we hop off here? Are we going to talk about which assistant coach is going to beat Nick Saban? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, one other thing I got here. So this was uh, something that we were discussing here at work. Which former Nick Saban assistant, most likely to beat Nick Saban. We all know the stat. Nick Saban has never lost to one of his former assistants. And next year, he's going to face four of them. Kirby Smart, Lane Kiffin, Jeremy Pruitt, and Jimbo Fisher. So I'll let you go first. Which former assistant most likely to beat Nick Saban next season? I'm going to have to go with Kirby. He's just got like the better team. But I said that in the last three years. If I was to pick a runner-up, it's definitely Tennessee. Just because Pruitt does really well against teams that are run-heavy. And I think what Alabama's going to be next year. And he, um, he, played, he coached a pretty good game last year. Absolutely. So I'm not even – I know I asked the question, but I'm not going to answer it because I'm going to tell you why. I'm setting the over-under at former assistants to beat Nick Saban next year. Two and a half – I think he's going to lose to two of them, at least maybe three. And yes, you were dead on. Kirby Smart's going to beat him week three of the season. I've been hyping up Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. If they're, if they're 10 and 0 going into that game, they're going to have so much momentum. It's not to say that they're just going to steamroll Alabama. I think that'll be a hell of a game and it is in Tuscaloosa, but hell Alabama has been known to lose a game or two in Tuscaloosa, including last year, against LSU, so it's not like they're unstoppable at home. So I think there's a really good shot. Texas A&M potentially gets Alabama, but uh, the one I keep harping on, which is going to sound the craziest, it's that game at Tennessee where Alabama, it'll, it'll be eighth game in eight weeks. Tennessee be coming off a bye. I really think Tennessee manned up, played Alabama really well last season, and the gap there's still a there's still a gap in talent, but I think Tennessee with another year under Jeremy Pruitt, they're gonna you know close it a little bit, make it a little bit tighter there. And Alabama's losing some elite playmakers. I know Tennessee's losing some playmakers too, but I don't know. I just got a feeling this is the year. I think it's 13 years. Can that really go to 14? I'm not. I'm betting on Tennessee to finally break that uh, streak against Nick Saban, and Alabama, who they just can't seem to get over and. I think next year's the year. So I, that's why I'm setting it at two and a half. I think it might be three. He might lose the three of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I wasn't, like, I'm not just a Tennessee homer. That eight game streak, Alabama's going to be tired. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be people that are beat down. And Tennessee's coming off a of bye week, so they're going to be super fresh. So, yeah, I think that's an option. Texas A&M, I think, is the harder one. Reason being is because Texas A&M has to win a lot, have that momentum coming in, because this Texas A&M team is not going to be like LSU last year. 
LSU of last year is probably the best football team I've ever seen play. Like, they were just lights out every time. Now, having said all that, Alabama's probably going to go 15-0 and 0 just to... 15-0! <laughs> just a, a big fuck you to both of us. Mac Jones, Heisman, boom. <laughs> Did it left-handed the whole way. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's a good way to end the show. Uh, I've got a... Potentially a really good guest lined up for the next one. I think you guys are really going to appreciate this one. But uh, that's all we got on this one. I appreciate you joining me, Cousin Joe. I appreciate all of you hopping on listening to the show. That's why we're doing it. We're doing it for you guys. So thanks for keep showing up. And we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Wash your hands.